0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Goose on the Call. I am your host, TJ Ragusa, and today is a UFC pay-per-view Saturday. It is UFC 270 Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Ghan for the heavyweight title of the world. It does not get bigger than tonight's main event. And what I wanted to do today was put together a quick little gambling guide, just a quick little rundown. I'm going to try to do this for every pay-per-view card of the year. This one's going to be released audio only for the sake of time again it just takes a while to upload these videos on youtube and i want to make sure this is all out on saturday morning so that you all have a chance to listen to it and consume it before you go and place your wagers on ufc 270 tonight and with that being said we're going to jump right into it this card top to bottom honestly it doesn't seem like it's really worth the uh, the pay-per-view price we're looking at Another bump this year 74.99 for every pay-per-view and the first card of the year that they roll out has had some struggles it lost a few of the bigger fights with some of the bigger prospects that we were really looking forward to on this card. We're now down to 11 total fights. There are eight total debuting fighters on this card which is the most since I believe 2014 on a UFC pay-per-view card. So Again, there's a lot of mystery here. There are a lot of fighters that we don't know too much about who are going to be fighting this evening, and it's going to be a pretty treacherous and dangerous card to uh, to bet on if you don't have a lot of information on these people. So again, tonight, there are a few picks that I like a lot. There are a few fights that I just don't even want to touch, and we're going to run through each of those one by one right now. So our first fight of the evening is going to be Kay Hansen versus Jasmine Jasdavisius. I think I just butchered her name, Jazda Visius. Jasmine Jazdavisius <laughs> is going to be fighting Kay Hansen in what will be Jazda Davisius' UFC debut. Hansen now seven and four as a professional. She's one and one in the UFC coming off of a loss to Corey McKenna, she was supposed to fight Cheyenne Days last year. I'm sorry, Cheyenne Vlismas last year in March. Uh, that fight was not materialized again. She was supposed to fight Jasmine just last week. The fight was rescheduled, and that's why we're looking at now. Kay Hansen, Jasmine Jasdevicius the opening fight in the UFC prelims for UFC 270. Jazz six and one now, coming into her debut and uh, her fight in the Contender Series. She looked very, very good against Julia Palastri. That was a unanimous decision win. And when you look at each of these fighters' skill sets, you look at Kay Hansen. She has a very strong grappling background. She's a 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu player. I believe she's up to her purple belt now. But uh, again, that win in the UFC coming by submission. She has a great ground game. And Jazz Divisius would likely be looking to keep the range in this fight. She's the taller, longer fighter. I believe she's going to have a four or five inch reach advantage in this fight. However, in a lot of her more recent fights, she is a little too willing to get into these close exchanges and start banging it out with people who she could really be keeping distance on and like kind of maintaining her range, keeping the fight at her distance. But, you know, everything she's been doing has been working for her. She's six and one. Now I just think that in this fight, particularly that willingness to get into those close exchanges and the, that willingness to grapple on the ground because she does have a strong ground game as well is going to get her into trouble with Kay Hansen and Kay is a pretty long favorite in this fight, but I actually like her to finish this fight either with a uh, ground and pound knockout or with a submission. She is plus 300 there. And, you know, other than that, there's just not much that I really want to touch here. I do think that Jess is better than the odds makers are giving her credit for. So I don't necessarily feel comfortable laying that kind of juice on Kay Hansen, I believe she's now in minus 220 favorites, somewhere in that range. So, uh, yeah, again, on this fight, I like Kay Hansen to finish it inside the distance. I don't like too much else on this. And moving on to the second bout of the evening, this is going to be Silvana Gomez Juarez versus Vanessa Demopoulos. And again, two young fighters in their UFC careers here. Demopoulos now one on one in the UFC. Silvana Gomez Juarez took her debut on short notice against Lupita Godinez. And. Both fighters, again, uh, coming off of losses here, it's a little bit difficult of a situation both earlier on in their careers. But I do see an advantage here for Demopolis in that she is very willing to kind of move forward here. She's going to be the shorter fighter with with the shorter reach in this fight. However, in the past, Juarez has shown that she can kind of have that length penetrated. She doesn't do a very good job for how long she is of maintaining distance in these higher level fights. Again, Lupita Godinez, a very difficult opponent in her, first UFC, um, in her first UFC fight, in her debut, but in that fight, I saw a lot of things that Godinez does, similarly to Demopolis, again, obviously two different levels to that, but it is a style that I think Juarez struggles with, so again, in a fight where you're looking at nearly even odds, it's pretty much a coin flip, and I think there's a stylistic advantage, I do like going with Demopolis here on the money line at minus 130 odds via DraftKings. Next two, I'm going to keep it pretty quick because we're actually laying off of the next two fights. we got Matt the Steam, Rola Frivola taking on Gennaro Valdez. He'll be welcoming Valdez to the UFC. This is Valdez's debut coming in at 10-0, and uh, Valdez is a finisher, man. I think his last three or four fights consecutively have been knockouts, and uh, Frivola coming off of a first-round knockout loss, that uh, that seven-second knockout to Terrence McKinney in what was McKinney's UFC debut. Prior to that, had a uh, tough loss by decision to Armin Sarukian, which snapped his two-fight winning streak over Jalen Turner and Luis Pena. So Frivola looking to get a bounce back here, kind of taking a step back, taking a debuting fighter. Um, Valdez, honestly, there's just not enough on him. You know, it's pretty difficult to find film on this guy. Obviously had an impressive finish in the second round over Patrick White on the Contender Series in October, earning him this opportunity in the UFC. But, yeah, now looking at his record, his last five straight fights have all been finishes, two rear naked chokes, three knockout finishes – um and the other uh, if you look on topology his other two wins prior to that three wins he has just listed as win which um we don't know the results of again mexico regional sometimes it's tough to get results the uh down to the specifics get coming from out of there so um again just because of the lack of film on valdez and the lack of information on him this is a pretty tough fight to uh to take a side on uh if you want to take a fun value play i'd recommend taking for by decision just based on the high level of experience and his ability to grind and wear guys down Um, But again, we're going to be laying off of that one. And Tony Gravely versus Simon Oliveira. Again, Oliveira making his debut. And Gravely's a guy who's been a pretty big favorite for a lot of people in parlays. A lot of handicappers like to include this guy when he's fighting because he is generally a pretty safe bet. He's a high-level guy who hasn't really found a lot of competition to match his skill level just yet in the UFC, at least. Um, Gravely now, again, coming off of that loss to uh, Nate Maness, but I really think he just kind of got caught there. Brett Johns, his other loss in the UFC. Um, just kind of got stuck in that rear naked choke, but he is a, uh, he's a really dependable guy usually on the money line. Um, but again, as such a, uh, as a steep favorite here, he's minus two fifty. um, really the only place you want to put him is in a parlay. So again, laying off this fight, generally, we might have Oliver, I'm sorry, we might have gravely in a parlay depending, but, um, not too much information on Simon Oliver not too much film to check out on him. So, uh, better to just lay off of this one. Moving on to the card, we're going to have a mutual debut here between Jack Della Maddalena and Pete Rodriguez. Rodriguez comes in at 4-0 with four finishes all in the first round, all knockouts. Maddalena comes in at 10-2. So Maddalena, the more experienced fighter here, and I, I got to be honest, I don't understand why this line is so wide. We're currently seeing Pete Rodriguez listed as a plus 280 underdog. So there's a lot of value on him, especially in a fight where we really don't know much about either of these guys. A uh, An impressive win on the contender series for Maddalena. That came in September. Uh, Pete Rodriguez, he's getting his shot here just based on record and uh, and on prestige alone. I think opportunity has also presented itself here. I think right place, right time. But, again, 4-0 now making his UFC debut. And this guy is a killer. He's got a lot of power, and I don't think that's something that a lot of people are taking into consideration. So a low unit wager here, but we are going to take a low-risk, high-reward play on P. Rodriguez at plus 280. And once again, in the next fight, we have a debuting fighter. It's going to be Victor Henry making his UFC debut at 21 and five. So there are a lot of fights under this guy's belt, but Ione Barcelos is in a huge bounce back spot. He suffered the first loss of his UFC career in his most recent fight. That was against Timur Valiev by majority decision, uh, close fight, but that pretty clearly did go Valiev's way. Um, his upcoming opponent, again, Victor Henry is 34 years old, making his UFC debut, 26 fights under his belt. So it's taken him a while to get here, but in any case, he is here. Uh, though it's taken him a long time to get here, he isn't just some can that they're rolling out for Barcelos to kick. He went two and zero with two finishes in Ryzen. He's got a CXF split decision win over Kyler Phillips, so he's got a lot of uh, a lot of really high level experience in there. He was also a champion in another promotion, I believe that was LXF. F. Um, but looking at this from a gambling perspective, it's just really difficult to find value outside of including Barcelos in parlays. Um, he is a three to one favorite now. He's minus three hundred, and this is a uh, it's a really difficult matchup for Henry. So it makes sense that it's going this way. Um, just uh, really difficult to pick a finish here as well. I'm not sure if Barcelos is going to be able to do it inside the distance or if there's going to be a decision here. Henry's a tough guy. He's tough to get out of there. But Barcelos, again, could be looking to make a statement. And I do believe he is the much higher level guy here. So Barcelos, safe play in parlays. Other than that, I don't see too much value on this fight. This next fight is dangerous. The first fight on the main card. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We actually have One more before we get to that dangerous fight that I was talking about. Uh, We got Michael Morales versus Trevin Giles, which is going to be a really interesting fight for a number of reasons. So next up we have Michael Morales and Trevin Giles. And to give you an idea of what your $75 is going towards on pay-per-view here, again, a debuting fighter. Michael Morales is fighting in the first fight on the main card as a debuting fighter for UFC 270. (sighs) This bothers me as a fan. It should bother you too. Anyway is a short favorite over trevin giles at minus 120 giles comes back as an even money underdog morales now 12 and oh he's coming into this fight earning his contract on the contender series by unanimous decision or nikolai veretnikov i definitely butchered that name veretnikov veretnikov i don't know man i'm working on my russian anyway michael morales is a finisher man he finished every one of his career fights up until the contender series that was his first fight that went the distance i'm sorry his second fight that went the distance he finished all but one of his mixed martial arts competitions prior to that this guy is an absolute killer again his competition level somewhat comes into question i think trevin giles is a guy who's been around has a lot of wrestling ability no has a lot of fight IQ and knows how to get the fight to where he wants it to be Uh, I do think that Morales is going to be a lot for him to handle, though. And when I look at this fight, it truly is a coin flip. And a lot of the time in those situations, you do lean with the underdog and the juice. I don't think there's enough there to really allure us here. You know, plus 120, that's not really enough for me to say, all right, I'm willing to take a chance on a coin flip. Just a tough fight. I think we're going to lay off of this one. Um, If I had to pick a winner, I guess I would kind of lean towards Morales. I do think Giles gets hit a little more often than you would want to when you go into a fight with somebody who's as aggressive as Morales is. However, we are going to lay off this one as well. Like I said at the top of the show, this is going to be a little bit of a light weekend for us just because of a lot of the unknowns coming into this fight card. But stay tuned. All of our picks, most of them at least, are going to be coming up in the next four fights. And one of those bets I think presents a lot of value here in the weight feature uh, between Cody Stamen and Sayed Nurmagomedov. Cody Stamen is one of three ranked contenders on this card, excluding the champions. I'm sorry, he's actually one of two. Ranked contender because Cyril Gone is an interim champion. If you don't count the champions, we have two ranked contenders on this card. Davison Figueroa, the number one flyweight contender, and Cody Stamen, the number 15 bantamweight contender in the world. Then obviously three champions, Moreno, Nganu, and Gone. I'm gonna stop complaining about the pay-per-view now. Let's just talk about how we're gonna make some money on it. So Cody Stamen, when this card first came out, I thought might have been worth a decent look at plus one seventy odds as an underdog. And after doing the scout, I think there is possibly some value there. I think that his wrestling ability is something that could present problems for Saeed, but Said has shown excellent takedown defense in the past. He has shown good scrambling ability. And part of that is what led to his knockout victory of Mark Striegel. And that is what, that's, what's going to lead us into my bat here. I do like Saeed Nurmagomedov to finish this fight by knockout. I think that he's a couple of steps ahead of Cody in the, um, in the striking department, I think he uses his jab very effectively. I think sometimes he can get a little bit reckless with some of the spinning strikes and it's a little over aggressive looking for those, which can open him up to damage. And Cody is a smart counter striker. However, I do think that just purely based on ability, Saeed is going to be able to outstrike him. I think Cody at some point is going to shoot for a takedown and Saeed has shown the ability to be dangerous in those kinds of situations. He times a very nice uppercuts elbows over the top when he's defending takedowns. He's very good at mixing his martial arts in that way. So I do like Saeed to win this fight, not only by knockout, just inside the distance. You never know, you know, and I, I think that at these kind of odds, you might as well just take the chance and cover yourself. I mean, it's it's three to one payout on, uh, on Saeed Nurmagomedov inside the distance. So plus 300 here, I'll take a chance on that. I don't really love the money line and I do think there's a chance that he wins a decision. Obviously the, um, the odds makers like this fight to go over. I believe fight going the distance is still listed at a pretty steep price. Yeah, that's minus 270 right now uh, via DraftKings. Actually minus 250 via DraftKings right now. So a lot of steam there. Um, there's not, not a whole lot of value on that fight goes the distance prop again, because I think that either of these guys really could finish it, but especially Saeed uh, feature bout of the evening, Michelle Pajira and Andre Fialho. I'm working on my Portuguese too, guys. I really hope that was all right. Uh, Michelle Pajara is uh, Michelle Pajara. I'm, I'm working on this. Fuck. Um, yeah. In any case, Michelle, super fly, high flying guy. Um, a lot of fun to watch. Can get a little bit reckless at times. Obviously the backflips and everything. But I think he's toned that down to a certain extent. And I think that he's much higher level uh, skilled. Has much higher level skills than Andre Fialio. So um, this, as the line indicates, is going to be probably one way traffic. And I think Pajara is a safe favorite. Hope I nailed his last name that time. This is so difficult. (laughs) Herrera is a safe favorite at minus 275 across most books right now. However, we're not going to be just laying that straight up on the money line. I think he's going to be in a parlay with Hayoni Barcelos. Co-main event of the evening, finally. Um, This one is where it really gets interesting. Again, I think that most fans who are watching the card tonight are watching for the main event and the co-main event there are a lot of other really interesting fights on here but um you know again outside of the main event the co-main event this this card pretty much looks like a fight night in any case the co-main event super intriguing we now finally get to see the trilogy between Brandon Moreno and Davison and Figueredo. they had to draw the first time second time uh Brandon won pretty convincingly I didn't think there were many moments in that fight that you could look to and call them positive moments for Davis and Figueredo and uh, Moreno eventually did get the rear naked choke but There were there were a lot of options for Moreno's first title defense. They could have thrown Alexandre Pantoja in there. They could have thrown Askar Askarov in there, but they chose to go with the trilogy with Davis and Figueroa. And you know, business is business. I don't really know the UFC numbers. If if that's what's going to help you sell pay-per-views, then yeah, let's do it again. But for me, I can't believe that this line is as close as it is for a fight that I feel like we don't really need to see again. Um, It was only six months ago. I know Figueroa has thought of a lot of excuses and that's again, part of it, you know, you watched that press conference this week, you watched the ceremonial weigh-ins and, you know, Davidson's always done cringy stuff, but you know, since the Brazilian Kings of Cringe, Davison and Valid Ishmael have teamed up with the American King of Cringe, Henry Cejudo. It has just been a cringe storm all over social media. It's just a bunch of stuff that I don't need to see that nobody needs to see that just was an unnecessary part of the build of this fight. Like with him trying to play the thing on his phone at the press conference, all that. And, how that all relates to the fight is this Davison is focused on a lot of other stuff, man. And I, I think what, something that gets lost in translation is that he is just playing a heel. You know, he's effectively doing the same thing in Portuguese that Colby Covington does in uh, in English with the whole, um, trying to get everybody to hate you thing. And it's a classic trope and it works, you know, like people are gonna, people have been booing him. People are going to pay to watch this fight because they want to see him get beat. And, Again, that leads me into my pick. I think that Brandon Moreno is going to win this fight, again, pretty convincingly. It was only six months ago that we saw him dominate this guy, and I just can't imagine how much has really changed since then. I also think that Davison is more on the downslope of his career than uh, Moreno, uh, as opposed to Moreno, who is still on kind of the upswing right now. He's still going uphill. He's still reaching his apex. He's still peaking. So. You know, Moreno, at at a very affordable money line price here, I love him at minus 180. We're kind of loading up on this one, and I still can't believe that, one, that this fight was made again, and that, two, these odds are as close as they are. And now we move on to the main event of the evening, the moment we've all been waiting for, Francis Ngannou, the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world, taking on Cyril Ghosn, his former training partner, and the current interim heavyweight champion of the world. And this fight is intriguing for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you have all of the contract stuff with Francis. Will he resign? Will he not resign? Is that even on his mind right now? You have the drama of the torn relationship between Francis and his former head coach, Fernand Lopez, who is obviously the head coach for Cyril Gaunt. You have Cyril and Francis talking about how their sparring used to go, that um, Fernand released a video of Cyril kind of beating up on Francis. Now, Francis claims there's other footage where he had knocked Cyril down, and that was another part of what made the – press conference the other day such a goddamn mess was these guys were arguing over the semantics of like whose video was right who this this and that and it's how do I put this it's interesting you know like a lot of a lot of people who don't necessarily know how fight buildup and how fight prep goes will actually read into something like that again we're looking at film even if you are considering this from three years ago four years ago these guys are completely different fighters now Anything that happened at that point in time has absolutely nothing to do with how this fight is going to go tonight. And beyond that, you can't even read into it because it's training. Like you don't know what drill they were doing. You don't know the context of how that was going. You don't know if one guy was like playing a part to help somebody out. So many different factors go into it in training. Like You have no idea what was actually going on there, and you need the context to properly understand it. And even if you have the context, it doesn't matter because, again, we're looking at the film from three or four years ago. So to watch these guys argue about the semantics of that was just painful. It was almost as painful as watching Davis and Figueredo try to take out his phone and play the song that he had written to walk out to. Oh, my God. Um, They dropped the ball. The UFC dropped the ball promoting this event. This is such, such a huge fight. And there's so much intrigue around and Ngannou especially you know everything that we just mentioned but just stylistically you have on one hand in this guy with world-ending power a type of athlete that we have never seen at the heavyweight division before pure pure muscle at he weighed in 257 and that was after cutting i think this guy is every bit of 265 probably walks around 270 275 and he's just a mammoth he has that touch of death he puts it on you and you're going to sleep cyril gone on the other hand is a matador he is movement like we've never seen in the uh, in the heavyweight division he moves like a welterweight or a middleweight bouncing around in and out lateral motion um advanced muay thai skill very very advanced muay thai skill i believe he was 14 and 0 as a professional muay thai fighter he's now 10 and 0 uh let me just make sure i got that right 10 and 0 as a mixed martial artist yeah that was correct 10 and 0 cyril gone And he's doing it in impressive ways. He also has a ground game. He also has very good wrestling ability. He pulled off a heel hook in the UFC in the heavyweight division. You know, like these are more advanced techniques that we usually see at the lighter divisions, but Cyril's bringing them in and really changing the game at heavyweight. And I still remember the first time that I saw this guy fight. I actually hadn't heard of him until he got to the UFC, but uh, when he made his debut against Rafael Pessoa, he had that first round arm triangle choke and, I said to myself and anyone who would listen, this guy is going to be a champion one day. He is the kind of athlete and he has the level of technique and skill that just hasn't been seen in this division before. So that's what makes this whole thing so goddamn interesting is Francis on one hand has the kind of power and the kind of fight ending world ending ability that we've never seen. And on the other hand, you have Cyril who has the athleticism and the skill and the technique that we have never seen. This is an unprecedented thing. And for a lot of reasons. And when you break it down from a gambling perspective, now it's pretty close on the money line. And I think you got to pick a side and it's one of two schools of thought. Do you think that Cyril is fast enough and long enough to be able to stay away from Francis for 25 minutes? Because that's what it's going to take. I don't see a scenario where Cyril catches Francis on the way in, damages him and finishes the fight unless it's maybe the fourth or fifth round. Maybe he gets him on the ground and submits him, but I do anticipate this being a pretty heavy, striking battle. And even if Gon even if does have that plan to get Gan, uh, Ngannou to the ground, I'm not sure that he has as good or better takedown technique and strength on his body than Stipe Miocic. Um, I think Nganu is, or I'm sorry, I think Gan is bigger than Miocic, but I don't think that he has that wrestling ability. And we saw Stepe struggle to get Francis to the ground. I've long said this about Francis too. He is so goddamn big so strong, and so athletic, all you need to teach him is just a little bit, a little bit of wrestling technique, a little bit of submission defense, and he's dominant, that's all it is, and he again has that touch of death, he has this gift that every fighter would kill to have, if he touches you, you're going to sleep, and that's why I'm taking him on the money line, because at plus 120, Really, really nice odds. Again, it's not a nice – it's not a huge payout. There's not a lot of juice there. But just picking sides of this fight, you cannot convince me that Cyril Gon is going to go 25 minutes tonight without absorbing a single punch from Francis Ngannou. And if Francis touches you once, the fight is over. That's it. This guy has a different kind of power. I do think that Cyril is a better fighter. I think he's more advanced. I think he's more technically sound. I think he's more skilled. I think he's much faster. I think he has a more well-rounded game. None of those things matter when you have world-ending power like Francis Ngannou. He touches you once, the fight is over. And I'm convinced that at some point, first, second, third round, Francis is going to finish this fight. He's going to land one clean shot. Cyril's going to get hurt. And from there, it's just a matter of how many hammer fists he's going to land before the referee pulls him off. So, again, that's a bold prediction. That's how I see this fight going. But like I said, I think this fight... Your prediction, if you're making predictions, if you're in the business of predictions, it this basically comes down to which school of thought are you in? Do you favor the technique and the speed, or do you favor the power? And just strength by strength, line by line, you go through this fight and you think about all the different ways that it can go. I, you just can't convince me there's a scenario where Francis Ngannou doesn't land a single punch. For me, he only needs a single punch to land, to finish the fight. So with that being said, Francis Ngannou, plus 120, as the underdog to defend the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. With that, I hope you all have some time to consume this and listen to it through and through. Take some good advice before you go and place your wages for the evening. Also, be sure to check out SkotoBets. Check out SkotoBets.com. I don't know why I just went to Canada there for a second. Check it out, out. SkotoBets.com. Yeah, check us out, man. SkotoBets.com. I'll have some parlays posted there that I didn't have here. I'm also going to be posting a DraftKings lineup in case you all are interested in that. Uh, what else? Verdict. Verdict MMA picks. Those will be up there, too, trying to earn those points. Um, I think we're up to Purple Belt now, trying to break our way into Brown Belt. A couple more stripes. Uh, follow me on Instagram, if you don't already, at goose on the Call, at the Goose underscore MMA on Twitter. Uh, YouTube, I'm just TJ Ragusa and – Yeah, again, scotobets.com. Go over there, get your picks for the day. These are the official picks. I've given you all of our singles and straight wagers here, all the parlays, the DraftKings lineups, verdict MMA picks will be posted on scotobets.com by 2.30 today. Hopefully you all have a great day. Good luck tonight. Let's enjoy an excellent heavyweight main event.